I found out that my patient was a really big Spider-Man fan. I said, uh, would you like to meet Spider-Man? Like, what if, how, would you, how would you feel if Spider-Man was here? And uh, he was six years old and uh, he had a really complex, a complex case. And uh, my nurse manager uh, w- allowed me to be Spider-Man. So I got changed in the nurse's station and I'm, I'm, I'm all suited up. And uh, I do my spider web, uh, my spider crawl into his room. I hit a backflip and start like spinning my webs and he his face was ecstatic like imagine a, like a six-year-old with a big smile on his face and he's just sitting up in his hospital bed and he just can't believe that spider-man is in his room he has a spider-man doll right here he's wearing spider-man pajamas and it was amazing <laughs> Welcome to MDF Instruments Crafting Wellness Podcast. Today, I am really, really excited to introduce you to a nurse. Um, He also is an MSN. His name is Cash. He is Spider-Man. We have a lot to talk about. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm honored to be uh, with an organization that has been in the industry since 1970s. Yeah, I'm Cash. I've been a pediatric nurse. I'm starting my career actually next month. I have been... Uh, in nursing school for like the last two years. I'm originally from New York. Did you grow up in New York? I think I saw that. It looked like on your page that you were born and raised in New York. Yes, yes. I was born in Queens and uh, grew up in Long Island. And um, I'm Puerto Rican, Ecuadorian family, uh, big family oriented guy. Yeah, Puerto Rico is beautiful. I've actually been there because MDF instruments has a factory there and so a lot of our uh, the owners of the company they all live in Rincon Puerto Rico so I've been there and it is absolutely gorgeous <laughs> oh my gosh that's amazing I actually saw that on your website and I got so excited okay so you're from New York born and raised big family guy I have to ask how did you get into nursing pediatric nursing specifically as your specialty and also just did you always know you wanted to be a nurse I kind of just want to hear the story of how this came to be so um, have a, my, my family, I would say, is definitely in the medical field. I have uncles that are dentists. My brother's an eye doctor. But, I ne- that, but those specialties never really like, interest me as, uh, to like, really pursue them. I've always had like, a keen for science and wanting to help people. So as I was in uh, college, I majored in public health. And that really opened my eyes to more of a community-level help, which is why when I saw that MDF does um, like, provide supplies for like, mission trips, that was something that really interested me. Um, because I did, uh, I studied abroad in Costa Rica and was able to do public health mission trips over there. And uh, I think, so that kind of opened my eyes more to a community level helping. I knew that nursing would be something that would definitely suit me for like my personality, my like love for science and helping people. And then as I was going through nursing school, I found that uh, my clinical rotation was amazing. Um, I went to school at Johns Hopkins School of Nursing in their entry into MSN program. And I'm in the pediatric uh, clinical, right? And the experience of being able to think and uh, bring imagination to children and then quickly transition to speaking like with a, in a professional manner to the caregiver or parent of the child was something that I loved that challenge of, uh, being able to go back and forth in that way. So I think that's definitely something that um, pushed me towards pediatrics. So it sounds like you kind of discovered pediatrics and your love for it, like 
on your journey into becoming a nurse. Is that right? Yeah, I would, I would, I would say that was definitely more of a, uh, like more concrete because prior to nursing school, I've actually never had like clinical experience. Like I never stepped foot in the hospital. The only time I was actually in a hospital was when I was volunteering. Um, I was at Morgan Stanley Children's Hospital in their Tarnas Kids Club Summer Sizzle event. It's an organization where for children, a sibling program for the siblings of the sick child that's in the hospital. And I've been volunteering there since I was like 12. It's in Washington Heights. So I think actually that was like my first pediatric experience, but in a non-healthcare um, way. And that was more of like a child life, like supportive entertainment way. And that was, that was actually probably the first time I, I felt like working with children or something that was interesting, but I didn't know how I was going to do it, whether it was medical school, nursing school. But I think Charnas Kids Club, I definitely would praise them for opening my eyes to working with children. But for what I've seen, you have a really great personality for inspiring and obviously you're very kind. And I think that would make children feel safe. Let's take it back to how this journey kind of began. So you went to college, you got your bachelor's, and then you went into nursing school. Kind of guide us through what this process has been like for you to become a pediatric nurse. So I did my four years of college. And of course, it wasn't like the traditional like BSN route. I didn't know I wanted to be a nurse until maybe junior year of college. So I did my bachelor's degrees in public health and was taking prerequisite courses uh, my junior year, senior year, um, and one more semester after I graduated. And then I, I applied to different programs. I was looking at accelerated uh, BSN programs, and I didn't know that Johns Hopkins had an entry into MSN program. And what that basically means, Brooke, is um, people that have uh, a bachelor's degree in something non-nursing and they do the prerequisites and uh, there's like you need like three letters of recommendation you can apply and um, it's a 20 I think like a 22 month program and it was so cool because I got to meet people that were 10 years in like a completely different industry or people that were in the Peace Corps um, or people that were starting out like me where they did college and then they realized they wanted to do nursing like right away. And uh, it, you, after that, those 22 months, you graduate with a uh, master's of science in nursing. And then that makes you eligible to sit for the NCLEX RN. So a lot of people think they have uh, an NP license, but um, I think that was like, like a thing, it, it's like, a, it's not, it's a master's level RN license, not a master's level NP license. And how does that transition to pediatrics? Um, from there, once you graduate, you could uh, decide what other specialty you wanna do. I really enjoyed my pediatric clinical at Johns Hopkins Hospital, and uh, but you could do you know any kind of specialty. I have friends that are in the emergency department, uh, psych units. Uh, I have some friends that are doing like operating room, outpatient stuff. So from there, you just kind of choose which one you want and just apply as a new grad. Yeah, I've really been learning a lot about um, the healthcare industry and just especially in nursing, all the different paths that you can take to get to where you want to get to. It's not always just this like one linear way of doing it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I feel like everybody I talk to, it's a different way. They found a different way. It's not the same way. Like nobody does it the same way, but it's yeah. really, that's really inspiring. And it should inspire people who are listening, who maybe think, oh man, you know, I didn't study anything that had to do with this. Like how hard is it now for me to, to do this? If, if they have an interest in it, or 
if you're just even not sure, there's it, it sounds like there's a lot of ways to get in and, and do your do do your due diligence and, and figure it out. But um, I, I love that you uh, did community health and then you went in and, and got your MSN uh, in that in, at John Hopkins Medical School. But um, I, I so I want to talk a little bit about the NCLEX because I know from some of your your social media posts, I know that um, you had a little bit of a hiccups there. And I myself think you're so inspiring because I'm a big believer in persistence and perseverance because of things that I've been through in my life. I know that, you know, you fall down three times, you know, fall down sometimes, get up eight kind of thing. Um, and so I would love to just talk a little bit about what that journey was like for you about how did you study for the NCLEX and how did you, uh, get through that process? Um, yes, so that was definitely uh, not the most linear path. And that's actually something looking back on that I, I'm happy about because I feel that things happen for a reason. And uh, so that path started where I graduated nursing school August of 2021. And I gave myself like a month to study for the board exam. And uh, I, I ended up using like four different like NCLEX review courses uh, before I actually passed. Uh, but how did that process go? So I remember after the first time I didn't pass in September of 2021, it's devastating. You know, you kind of ha have like a setback. You're not, you may feel like you're not as um, equipped uh, to continue. And especially when you see like your, your colleagues and your fellow classmates that you graduated with start passing and uh, it could be, it could, it, could, it could sit with you differently. And I think that uh, it really started becoming a mindset, Brooke, of uh, everyone has their own journey. And this is just part of my testimony. I believe that uh, failure is the mother of success. And that, as you said, the, the Rocky Balboa quote, I believe it was like, fail time, uh, not get knocked down seven, like get up eight. And it was uh, definitely, in my case, it was get knocked down three times because I didn't pass three times. And then on my fourth attempt, I passed. And uh, I took it September 2021, uh, November 2021. And then I moved from Maryland because I was living in Maryland after nursing school for a little bit and uh, moved back to New York. And then that like took paperwork to like get like my uh, like um, NCLEX like re-registered. So then I took it again in March 2022. And then I just passed it uh, June 16th. So um, to anyone out there that is uh, in there about to graduate nursing school or they are studying for their NCLEX right now or even they already did not pass on their first try best advice I could give you is to give yourself first give yourself the time to process uh, what just happened you know because um, it's your own self-talk is very important especially when it comes to the NCLEX because it's just you and the computer taking the exam so step one if you didn't pass like take a week off like regather re yourself, go do something fun with your family, friends. And then when you come back to start studying, take a deep breath, focus on what you can control and then keep moving forward. Because life is, life is always gonna throw you challenges. It's just how do we respond to those challenges in order to grow. So beautifully said. I think determination is the key here. Uh, if you want something, 
and you want to go after it, don't take no for an answer. Keep going, keep, keep pounding that pavement until you get that yes, because you can do anything you set your mind to. I'm a big believer of that, big proponent of anything you can set your mind to, you can achieve, but it's not always easy. It, it's not going to happen the first time necessarily, or the second or the third, you know, but how bad do you want it? And how bad are you going to fight for what you want? Um, and I think for you, I can imagine that it's a very sweet victory and that um, you earned it. And I'm sure you're so proud of yourself and I hope you are, we're proud of you. And I know that your family must be also very proud of you. Um, but I would love to just hear a little bit about um, the changes that you made each time you went. And, you know, it's hard. I, I talked to, to um, nursing students or um, veterinarians who are trying to get into vet school. We talk about this a lot of times because sometimes, you know, they don't get in the first time. And their mental health wise, it can take a real toll on their self esteem, their confidence. Um, they start questioning whether this is for them, whether they should be doing this because it wasn't hard for their friend. Um, so I would just kind of love to hear if you, what you what you were telling yourself, how you kind of got through that uh, rejection, if you will, or redirection, as I know you like to say, um, in your life and just to keep going. Because I think sometimes people have a hard time finding that motivation when they keep getting a no. I think a lot of people would have given up. Um, and I just want to hear why, how you didn't, why you didn't, and just to inspire other people to not never give up on something that they want. So the journey was definitely, like I said, not linear. And uh, what I've did specifically uh, for all these NCLEX uh, test takers out here, uh, I started off with UWorld and Mark Klemek. And then I, um, I think the first time around, it was just the nerves, you know, it's a big exam, it's your first time taking it. So you're not, you don't know what to expect. Um, for the second time, I, maybe it was, I was lacking content. Maybe I, I wasn't studying the right way and it's all individual, you know, um, what someone's performance, like it's just like a nursing school. The way you study in nursing school is not the same way someone else is going to study in nursing school. For me, it was, a, I, for me, the challenge was I'm a very social learner. So in nursing school, shout out to my study group. We would just go on zoom and just like go through the content, study for the material. And that's how we just did it. Like it was like three or four people. And uh, we just met on Zoom, but the NCLEX is very individualistic because everyone has their own timeline, whether there's a job that they need to uh, study sooner for because they have that job lined up or family or whatever. So studying for the NCLEX has be it became like a very individual task for me, which was its own challenge in itself because I'm, again, I'm a very social learner. Um, but ultimately, what, uh, what was the difference? Because I've gotten this question before from friends. What was the difference from your first, second, third, all the way to your fourth time? And that is persistence and um, we're focusing on your form. Um, my mentor, Mike Linares, he is the founder of Simple Nursing, which is uh, an NCLEX review program. He told me to just keep on focusing on your form and then the result will come. I feel like that could be applied to a lot in life. You know, when you just focus on your process and your journey instead of the final destination, the destination is going to arise. So what does that look like to be to speak logistics? Um, you're focusing on, like you start off by focusing on your, your top three weak, weakest subjects. For me, that was like maternal health, mental health, and I think pharmacology. And you just keep on like, you start there and I did like 60 questions a day, 60 to 75 questions a day. And I would write down, like there's a quote that goes, um, what is measured upon is improved upon. 
So I wrote down the times I was studying, whether, okay, I studied for from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. And then I took a 15 minute break and I was back at it at 3.15 all the way to 4.30. And then I would, I would check, I would like write down my net time. It ended up being like five to six hours of diligent studying per day, doing that five to six days a week. And I gave myself a month and a half to study after the third time to the fourth attempt. And uh, I used simple nursing for content review and I used UWorld uh, for questions. And I think the name of the game is consistency and focusing on your form. That is probably the best advice I could give. Um, I'll be very transparent. I was not that persistent um, after my second attempt going into my third attempt. There was just some family emergencies that were happening and uh, I think I got a little cloudy in how much time and uh, actual studying I was able to do um, due to those family emergencies. And uh, as a result, I didn't pass the third time. But luckily, after the between the third and fourth time was my time. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm just going to dedicate myself for the next month and a half. And uh, I got a tutor. And I think that uh, a mentor is always good because they could see your blind spots that you can't see. So. Um, definitely shout out to Simple Nursing for helping with that content. I really liked also Simple Nursing just because it was, um, I guess, a visual learner, social learner. So the video rationales and the mnemonics, memory tricks, and animations really helped with uh, studying for the NCLEX. And uh, the on the day of the exam, um, I think it was, the day of the exam is definitely a mindset of just Believing in your believing in your work and being confident that the preparation that you put in is going to show itself and uh, take deep breaths, you know, make sure you use your brakes and uh, keep your keep a good head. It's basically really keeping a good head over your shoulders. Such great advice. Yeah, I know that NCLEX isn't easy. I had no idea it was 300 minutes long. That equates to what, five hours, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, five hours. So you know, it's a lot of time. It's not an easy test to go through, um, to put yourself through. So again, congratulations, you earned it, you deserved it. We're so happy for you. Um, I know it's not, not an easy thing to do. For everyone listening and watching, I hope you find Cash inspiring in his his journey with the NCLEX because um, don't, don't just give up one time, two times, three times. It doesn't matter how long it takes you. It's, it really doesn't. I mean, we, we have time and um, everybody's journey is different and it's not going to look like the person next to you. And I always say like comparison is the thief of joy. So when I find myself doing that, where I'm like, oh, well, I'm not quite as far along or I'm kind of lacking in this department. I really have to say like eyes on my own paper. Um, everyone has their own journey. And, uh, you know, that's the part of life that's fun is the journey because that makes you grow. That makes you learn. I'm sure that um, you're going to have a different appreciation for this now than you would have if you had just passed it right out the gate and it was exactly. just easy, you know? Um, so it, it, it adds a little character to you and it, and it also proves to yourself, you prove to yourself cash that no matter the obstacles, no matter how many no's you get, you have, tenacity, you have perseverance, you're determined, and you're not going to take no for an answer. Now you know that for sure about yourself, because I have a feeling that if it took you eight times, you would have done it eight times. Um, so that is a really good character quality. And that's the kind of quality that we need more of in this world. You know, I think a lot of times with the tension spans and things, it's easy to just be like, oh, that's too hard. I'm going to give up. Um, but you prove that, uh, that if you don't give up and you keep going, then you, you can achieve your goals and your dreams. I really appreciate those words, those kind words. Thank you. Yes. 
I, uh, it definitely does not come with its own challenges and, uh, it can feel, um, lonely at times just because, uh, like with failure, there's always that setback, but I feel like it's your support system and your self-talk is really important. And like you said, I was determined to keep going. I did not come this far to do nursing school just to not pass the NCLEX and change my whole career. And uh, I've heard stories of actually people doing that and everyone has their own reasons, but I just knew that wasn't going to be my story. Listeners listening to this podcast right now, definitely keep going. Um, the one quote, if you do fail, as, um, I like is fail early, fail often, fail forward. Uh, fail early, fail often, fail forward. And I think that has been a theme in my life that I've been uh, proud to say that like it, it led me to this position. I have to throw in one more quote there because I have one and it's... Um, yeah, here, tell me. Yeah, it's, I'd rather be a failure at something I love than a success at something I hate. And I think that that's a really good way that in my life that I've gotten through things that have been challenging our heart when I fail at something I'm like well I would rather fail at this knowing that that's where my heart is set that's where I'm going that's where I'm determined to be and fail at that and keep trying than do something just to do it because I can you know and maybe don't like that and maybe that's not actually my passion so yeah I think um just Very listening cool. to your heart following your passion and not taking no for an answer I think is the big takeaway that's a great quote. I like that. And I think it, it, because when you have a strong enough why, that's my, my other mentor um, was uh, my, one of my professors, Dr. Jennifer Molesky. She always, after I failed the first time, she was like, she, one of the things she said was like remembering your why, you know, and I feel like if you have a strong enough why, that's going to keep you going to what your ultimate goal is. And uh, it really is a mind game, a mindset game, uh, studying for the NCLEX, especially after a failure, then especially after another failure. And then one more failure, because there were three. <laughs> oh, it's just all part of my testimony. You know, if I could just inspire another student, uh, another nursing grad to uh, never give up on their goal, even though as, che as cheesy as that sounds. But if I let one failure dictate how I was going to spend the rest of my life, I would have been a completely different scenario than I am right now. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit. And I want to talk about... Okay, mm -hmm. two things. I noticed that people call you the backflipping nurse. Is that is that the right term? Wait, yes. Is that it? The okay. backflipping nurse. Yeah, the yeah, that's back it. Backflipping nurse. So I need to hear why are you called this? Why is that your nickname? And then secondly, I want to talk about Spider Man. So let's get into backflipping nurse. They might intertwine here. I don't know. Um, but for anyone listening or watching who doesn't know, Cash over here uh, has a Spider Man journey as well, and I really want to get into talking about that because I know that can kind of connect into pediatrics. But it does. It wasn't something that it seems like happened later in life. It seems like it's something that's kind of been following you. Uh, since you were young. So let's, let's dive in there. You did your research. That was awesome, Brooke. Yes. <laughs> I, so I, um, something you may not know, Brooke, is I've been uh, backflipping for like, since I was like fourth grade. I think that's like 10. I don't know what, what, what grade fourth grade is, but I've been doing backflips. Uh, my mom taught me, she was a gymnast in high school and we had a trampoline in uh, my backyard growing up. And where has that evolved to now? Well, uh, I've been called the, like the international backflipper or the backflipping nurse. Uh, I did a Scandinavian tour uh, a couple a couple years ago, and on that tour, I was doing backflips in like all like all the Scandinavian countries, and uh, that was awesome. Creating that content and being a part of that journey, 
Um, I think from there, just seeing how people interacted, whether you were, because I was interacting with people that didn't even speak English, but like being able to just like smile and like have that energy personality and doing backflips and seeing them do backflips or cartwheels, uh, it was something that was really cool. Uh, specifically, there was, I was in Norway and there was like this little girl that was doing backflips going down a hill. So I started doing backflips with her and her mom was like, and her mom and her siblings were all just like clapping and we were just like having like a grand time in a park in Norway. And it all started from just doing a backflip. It's, uh, that's, so that was really funny. Just, I, I need to clarify a little bit. What do you mean that you went on like a backflipping tour? <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, how, what is it? I, I need to know. Uh, I just, I had the opportunity uh, and I had the time to just go to, uh, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and instead of Finland, I went to um, Blue Lagoon. That's Iceland. Yeah, Iceland. And then I, I said Norway, I think. It was five countries. I'm missing one. Um, but I just had the opportunity to go, and it was such an awesome experience. Just a different culture. Also, Denmark is a beautiful country. Definitely recommend it. That was, like, probably my most fun experience there. Um, but that experience was just so cool. I just was able to... It was, I just did backflips there and people loved it. And then I was like, let's do more backflips because it makes me happy seeing other people happy. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with nursing, you know, like the giving aspect. So, okay. So are you doing backflips like in front of your patients to cheer them up? Like, how did you get the title, the backflipping nurse? Or is that just, are you bringing this into your career like as well? Or is this just something you're doing outside of? Uh, no, I'm definitely going to bring this into my career. So how this started was I was, like I said, I was doing a pediatric rotation and uh, the kids just really, they, I realized that to me, there's no greater feeling, like no greater fulfillment than being able to manifest an imagination so children can feel that they are a kid again outside of their diagnosis. And that's probably like the root of why I chose pediatrics. Um, it's that journey, it's that um, imagine, bringing that imagination and making children feel like they're not their diagnosis, which is, has led me to uh, want to pursue um, nursing, um, pediatric nursing. My fifth semester practicum at Johns Hopkins was at Kennedy Krieger Institute, it's a rehabilitation hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, there's a lot of one-on-one -on -one time that you get to have with your patients. And I had a patient that was a really big Spider-Man fan and that was awesome. So uh, when I found out, as, an, as like a student nurse cash, when I found out that my patient was a really big Spider-Man fan, I said, uh, would you like to meet Spider-Man? Like, what if, well, how, would you, how would you feel if Spider-Man was here? And uh, I really wanted it. Like, you're already laughing about it. Like, it was such an awesome experience. He was, uh, he was six years old and uh, he had a really complex, a complex case and uh, my nurse manager uh, allowed me to be Spider-Man. So I got changed in the nurse's station and I'm, I'm, I'm all suited up and uh, I do my spider web, uh, my spider crawl into his room, I hit a backflip and start like spinning my webs and he, his face was ecstatic. Like imagine a, like a six-year-old with a big smile on his face and he's just sitting up in his hospital bed and he just can't believe that Spider-Man is in his room. He has a Spider-Man doll right here. He's wearing Spider-Man pajamas. And it was 
amazing. Um, and the the staff also had a kick at it too. We started taking pictures in the nurses station. Um, the staff and I, I Spider-Man. And uh, what was so cool too was, you know, being able, I think this is what's a unique experience. Um, being able to be a pediatric nurse and Spider-Man allows something for this to happen. So I knew that the patient had, uh, his diagnosis left him with a weaker uh, range of motion in his left arm. So he was only able to like move with his right arm. And as Spider-Man, like I knew that as student nurse cash. So as I'm in there as Spider-Man, I knew to make sure to high five him with his stronger arm than his weaker arm. Because again, I don't, I want him to feel like himself, not remind him of his diagnosis. So that was something that I knew as Spider-Man, but because I was nurse cash, not because I was just Spider-Man. And I think that's something that sets me apart um, about that experience. So yeah, it was an awesome, it was an awesome experience. That's so great. I love it so much. I think you need to be carrying that Spider-Man costume around with you everywhere you go, just in case, because you never know when you're going to need it. You never know when you're going to need to <laughs> yes. light a little child up like that. I mean, I imagine. Um, but yes. I did see a picture of you from back in the day when you were like six or so, it looked like wearing Spider-Man costumes. So your love for Spider-Man didn't just like start. Well, tell me a little bit about your own oh. little passion for Spider-Man here. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, I have been a Spider-Man fan since as long as I was able to put like my own clothes on, you know, uh, you're right. That is, I know exactly what picture you're talking about. So my mom, I don't know, so it all started with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man in like 2002 when that first movie came out. And uh, similar to that uh, kid in the hospital bed, I had like Spider-Man pajamas, Spider-Man lunchbox, Spider-Man like bedroom decorations. So I just, I don't know, I've always been an active kid growing up and seeing like this, like web shooting, like back flipping superhero on screen was so cool. And I loved the story of Spider-Man, how he had this double life uh, that no one knew. And I think that was, I think that's kind of how that transcends to what I do now is I could be Merce Cash and also be Spider-Man and I could wear the mask and no one knows, you know, these, it keeps the imagination alive for these children. And I love that you said, by the way, about, um, uh, make sure you carry that Spider-Man suit around. I actually used that as a talking point in my interview, my, uh, pediatric position that I'm starting next month. And it's so, but it, maybe it could come across as inappropriate to talk about being Spider-Man in a professional nursing interview, but here it fits so well. I, I love this whole Spider-Man thing. I think it's amazing, especially in the specialty you're in with pediatrics. So you're going to be in the hospital working as a pediatric nurse. Are you going to be in the emergency room? So I'm going to be starting at uh, Morgan Stanley, New York Presbyterian Morgan Stanley Children's Hospital. It's actually where I, I, I've been volunteering uh, since I was like 12 doing Charna's Kids Club summer sizzle event that I was telling you about earlier. And uh, that, like I said, that was like my, my first experience really like working with uh, sick children and their siblings. So uh, that is a hospital in Manhattan. I'm gonna be specifically on a cardiac neuro med surge floor. So you were right earlier. You don't, I didn't have to work in a hospital. I could have been in a pediatric office, um, pediatric out clinic, um, outpatient office, or, or you could work in a hospital. Um, I have friends that are doing a pediatric emergency department. That was a little too fast paced for me. 
Um, so I'm, I'm really happy with where I'm at, which also I'm really excited we get to do this interview because you like cardiac, you know, got to make sure like you hear, the, you can hear all the bells and whistles. Um, it's actually really, I'm really excited too, because there's a, my nurse manager said that this hospital, its cardiac unit has like a, like the second most, uh, cardiac transplant patient, like workload in like all of New York state, which I'm excited about. So I'll be exposed to kids with cardiac defects, um, cardiac transplants. And for neuroscience, I know that uh, specifically I'll be working with like seizure disorder patients. Okay, yeah, that's that's really helpful. That clarifies something for me. I kind of have a better picture of what it is you're gonna be doing. Um, okay, so I know that you've been um, volunteering since you were 12, working with sick children. Um, so I, I can tell you're a really positive person, but I would love to hear a little bit about, I know that being around children who are sick isn't always the easiest thing because you're gonna feel a lot of things when, you know, mm-hmm they're sick. Um, so mental health wise, how do you unplug from that? How do you get through um, the harder days just for anybody listening or watching who might have their own hard days in, in their profession or specialty? Do you have any advice or uh, any any tips on, on how you get through those harder days? I personally, um, I like to, I've realized that practicing mindfulness has been a very helpful thing for me, especially on this NCLEX journey. So practicing mindfulness could look like a lot of different things. It could be yoga. It could be meditation. Um, Mindfulness is just practice to create more clarity and practice being present. So uh, for me, I see that as taking a run. And I've actually realized that running with no music has been a game changer because I usually always run with music. But I find myself being so like caught up in like what the song is or like clicking play or something. But if I'm running like without like without music, I find myself just being more attuned to my environment, hearing the birds like chirp, uh, like feeling the wind. So I definitely I like running. I've always been athletic, an athletic guy. Um, so other ways I like to is like, I'm a big family person, like I said. So I really enjoy kicking it back with my family or friends and uh, watching a movie, going out. Um, Although there are times when I just want like to watch TV by myself, do something by my, like just, you know, like no noise, no noise. <laughs> so uh, those are ways that I find I start I create balance with a uh, mentally stressful day. And I think, too, being Spider-Man and coming in when those children are not feeling well or having a hard time like that's going to you know, be the silver lining, that's going to be a positive spin on things because we can't control what we can't control, but we can make things better. You know, the experience doesn't have to be horrible all the time. Even if you're going through something horrifying or difficult, you know, um, I think there's always a positive side you can take where you can just at least bring some sort of light and hope and love into something because uh, that's what we're here for you know that's we're here to to make the world better and i think um just making someone smile even for a minute is you know is is changing their life it's changing their day and uh and bringing a new energy into things and i can tell that you um are very, I know I've said this a few times, but you're a very positive person, I can tell. So um, I'm sure that just being around you does change a mood, does change a room. I really appreciate you saying that. It's been uh, a great journey to impact um, just like 
don't know, like nursing school friends and now these patients. I'm really looking forward for this next journey. It's going to, it's going to be a great one. A lot of learning is going to happen. I um, want to know what are your needs for a stethoscope? Cause now you're going to be in the cardiology section. You're going to be doing pediatric cardiology specialty. Yeah. What is your need for a stethoscope? I ask because um, obviously you're going to want a, a cardiology stethoscope, but are you going to be using primarily a pediatric attachment attachments or will you also need like infinite attachments? It's a great question. I know that my unit is uh, all age range from zero to 18. So I definitely will be uh, changing the attachments um, when I listen for like heart murmurs and like cardiac sound, heart sounds. So, and I know that MDF has a wide range of uh, equipment for that. So I definitely would be looking more into that because yes, you're right. There we are. Like the way I'm going to assess like a two month old is going to be different than I assess a 15 year old. I think for you, procardial titanium stethoscope, because it's going to be lightweight. So being out, you know, all day having around your neck or in your pocket, it's not going to be really heavy. And then it'll have the attachments. It'll have pediatric, it'll have adult and infant as well, just in case you need it. I know that nursing is predominantly a female field, but um, you're, you're representing the males over there. I'd love to just kind of talk about what, you know, what being a male nurse to you, the experience of it, what it means to you, and kind of just being able to represent the other side of a, of a predominantly, uh, you know, female field. So my Instagram, Merce Cash, uh, started because, well, I'm part of a growing segment in my industry. Uh, for example, in 1977, there were 27,000 male nurses compared to 1.3 million female nurses in 1977. Now, fast forward to 2018, there were 310,000 male nurses and 3.3 million female nurses. So in total, like as of 2018, uh, like there's 3.6 million nurses uh, in the United States and 8.5% of them were male nurses. Um, so like you said, it is, um, it's, it's growing, um, but it's obviously predominantly female occupation. So I wanted to create my name to be something that represents like something different, something that's, um, growing. So that has been a really unique experience. Um, I actually, my, to, uh, answer the question of how does it feel? It, I've actually kind of, it was, uh, I walked into it feeling kind of like uh, normalized by it because uh, in high school, I was a wrestler in high school and a little bit of college, but uh, my senior year of high school, along with wrestling, I did cheerleading. And that was my first experience being uh, like, you know, a, a guy on a predominantly female, like I was the only the guy, I was the only guy on the cheer team. And uh, that was a unique experience for me. Really like was my first time working with like a whole bunch of girls being like 17 years old and uh, how's that translate into nursing i just i, I realized that uh there's work to be done and uh creating a cohesive cooperative environment uh and like just like working together is creating a great positive atmosphere for being a nurse and uh, i feel that being a part of this growing segment in the industry is a very unique special time to be a male nurse with the COVID-19 pandemic, there are a lot more guys that want to go into the nursing sector and become male nurses. 
And I think that's really exciting. So there's a lot of, a lot of room for growth in this industry. A lot of room for growth. But I think as people start to do it, people like you, you just inspire other people, younger people who look up to you. Um, maybe some of those sick kids that you help, you know, you're impacting their life and they look and they go, this is my superhero. I want to grow up and be a nurse one day. Uh, that's how it starts, you know? And, and then when, when younger people have someone to look up to, that path becomes easier for them to follow. I think it's really important to, um, to sit, to show people what you can be and, and to say, Hey, you know, you, a little kid looks up to you and says, Oh, I want to be like cash. I want to be a back flipping nurse, like cash. You can inspire and help me and make me feel better. Um, I had one emergency medicine doctor on when he was a kid, he went to the doctor and he was sick and the doctor, you know, fixed him. And I think it was just with medication. He had an allergy reaction or something like that. And he thought doctors were magicians. He's like, wow. when I was a kid, I thought it was magic because I, I wasn't feeling good. And then all of a sudden this, doc yeah. this, this doctor came and gave me medication, made me better. And I thought, I want to grow up and I want to be a magician like him. Uh, wow. And that's how these stories start. A lot of people that I talk to, you know, they're inspired by things that happened to them in their lives. Cared, someone cared for their loved one or cared for them in a way that moved them and made them feel safe and said, I want to make other people feel that way. So thank you for doing what you do and going out there and kind of saying, hey, being proud and awesome to see. I would love to also just... Um, I would love for you to drop your social media handle, um, just verbally say it out loud and then also spell it for everyone who's listening in case so they can know how to spell cash. It's with a K and not a C. Yes. Um, so just kind of just go through that for everybody so that they can find you. So you could find me on Instagram and TikTok at Merce, M-U-R-S-E, cash, K-A-S-H, uh, all together. So you could find me there, uh, content related to my nursing journey. NCLEX related content and uh, yeah, my pediatric story. So looking forward to seeing you on there. Definitely a couple backflips in the near future. Well, Very Cash, good. thank you so much for joining our MDF Instruments Crafting Wellness Podcast. It has been such a pleasure having you on and we're really excited to continue following your journey. Thank you so much, Brooke, and thank you so much, MDF, for all of your support and having me on.